bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need the legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, December 14, 2010. This week, I'll bring you up to speed on the status of tax extenders legislation. Then, I'll review the IRS's priority guidance plan for the coming months. Starting with historic tax credits, I'll talk about a private letter ruling released last week that granted an extension of time to file an application for certification of historic status. In the New Market Tax Credits segment of this week's podcast, I'll share some insights regarding the City of iPhone's plans for implementing new census data when it becomes available. In our low-income housing tax credit discussion, I'll share more detailed information from HUD regarding $16 million that's available for reallocation under the Tax Credit Assistance Program. And finally, in the renewable energy portion of this week's podcast, I'll review the findings of two studies that rank states according to their energy policies and potential to produce renewable energy. If you're ready, let's get started. On Thursday, December 9th, the Senate introduced the Tax Relief, Unemployment Insurance Reauthorization, and Job Creation Act of 2010. The Senate's version of the tax extender compromise reached between the White House and Republican lawmakers. The bill would extend current tax rates for all income levels. It also would extend unemployment insurance benefits, as well as temporarily reduce Social Security taxes and provide for 100% expensing for certain property placed in service by the end of 2011. Now, the bill also includes a one-year extension through 2011 of the Section 1603 cash grant in lieu of energy tax credit program, a two-year extension through the end of 2011 of the market tax credit program at a level of $3.5 billion a year as opposed to the $5 billion that was previously discussed. The bill also includes a two-year extension of the increase in the rehabilitation tax credit for property placed in service through the end of 2011 in that's property that's placed in service in the Gulf Opportunity or Go Zone. And it includes an extension for one year through the end of 2011 of the place and service date for Go Zone local housing tax credit properties. The Senate bill that was introduced, however, does not, that's right, it does not include an extension of the Section 1602 local housing tax credit cash grant exchange program. It also does not include additional funding for the Section 48-CAP-C Advanced Energy Manufacturing Tax Credit Program. Similarly, there's no additional funding for the Build America Bonds Program, and it does not include a provision that's been discussed and been in other drafts of legislation that would have allowed the New Market Tax Credit to offset the alternative minimum tax. And another item I wanted to note that the bill does not include is any funding for the National Housing Trust Fund. Now, the Senate did hold a cloture vote yesterday on Monday, and it passed by an overwhelming 83-15 to vote. As such, it is expected to ultimately pass the Senate. Now, it's also expected that additional changes to this extenders package could be made in the House or the Senate as they continue to consider the legislation in the coming days. I encourage you to follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash and you can get regular updates on the status of the bills in both the House and the Senate. 
and any other developments in the negotiations among the House, the Senate, and the President. I also invite you to join Novogratz and Company for our 17th Annual Tax Credit Developers Conference early next year. It's January 20th and 21st in Miami, Florida. At the conference, we'll discuss this, the tax extenders legislation, as well as other current events of significance to the tax credit development community. Included in the discussion will be major affordable housing initiatives that we expect the leaders in the affordable housing community to pursue in Congress next year. In other general tax credit news, last week the Treasury Department and the IRS issued an update to their priority guidance plan. The plan includes 310 guidance projects that the IRS will consider their priorities through the end of June 2011, the fiscal year for their priority guidance plan. The plan will be updated and republished during the next year to respond to taxpayer and petitioner comments and new developments. Now, the plan currently includes a number of guidance projects related to the low-income housing tax credit. The plan says that the IRS is working on final regulations under Section 42 on the requirements for a qualified contract. Most of our listeners will recall that proposed regulations were published back in June of 2007. The plan also lists guidance regarding the exception under the 10-year rule for any federally or state-assisted building. In addition, there's guidance that they're planning to issue concerning utility allowances for sub-metered buildings. Interim guidance on this topic was issued in Notice 2009-44. In the LIHTC area, there's also guidance coming regarding recapture under Section 42J6. Turning to the New Market Tax Credit Program, the IRS is planning final regulations under Section 45 Cap D on how entities serving target populations meets the requirements to be a qualified active low-income community business. Proposed regulations here were published on September 28, 2008. In addition, the plan lists final regulations under Section 45D that would revise and clarify certain rules relating to the recapture of the New Market Tax Credit as well as other issues. Proposed regulations in this area were published August 11, 2008. Then there's another line in the Priority Guidance Plan that simply says guidance regarding the Section 45 Cap D New Market Tax Credit. Turning to Renewable Energy Tax Credits, the plan lists two guidance updates and these are updates that they publish each year. They're scheduled for release in April 2011. And they would be guidance that provides the inflation factor, non-conventional fuel source credit, and the reference price that determines the availability of the credit for producing fuel from a non-conventional source. And that's under Internal Revenue Code Section 45 Cap K. Then the other item that's also listed is guidance that will provide the calendar year inflation adjustment factor and reference prices for renewable energy production tax credits under Section 45D. Now, if and when these items are finalized and published, Novogratz Company will announce their availability online and by email, and we'll certainly discuss them in the Journal of Tax Credits. If you're not already signed up to receive our free industry alert, I would encourage you to go online to www.novaco.com and sign up for our free industry alert emails. Turning to historic tax credit news, last week the IRS released private letter ruling 2010-48-019. And as you know from prior podcasts, that means it's the 19th ruling issued in week 48 of the year 2010. 
So private letter ruling 2010-48-019 should be of interest to many Stark Tax Credit practitioners. The ruling addresses a request for an extension of time to file an application for certification of historic status. Now, according to the private letter ruling, the taxpayer that submitted the request had acquired a property and then hired a contractor to renovate the property. The taxpayer also retained the services of a consultant to assist them in preparing and filing the application for certification of historic status of the property, and that application would be filed with the Department of Interior. After the renovations were completed, the property was placed in service, after which the taxpayer submitted the application for certification of historic status to the Department of Interior for approval. Now, under IRS regulations, taxpayers are required to file Part 1 of the Historic Preservation Certification Application with the Department of Interior prior to placing a property in service, and it's Part 1 wherein you apply for this certification of status. However, the taxpayer in this case says that their consultant failed to inform them that Part 1 of the application needed to be filed before the property was placed in service. In PLR 2010-48019, the IRS did rule that the taxpayer could be granted an extension of time and their certification application would be considered timely filed. If they had not given them this extension of time, then the property would not have been entitled to the historic tax credit. A copy of the private letter ruling can be found online at www.historictaxcredits.com. Turning to the low-income housing tax credit news, we have more about the TCAP reallocation. As many listeners will recall from last week's podcast, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, issued guidance last week describing the method and criteria to be used by HUD to reallocate about $16 million of recaptured tax credit assistance program, or TCAP, funds. This guidance gives selected, eligible LIHTC projects a potential chance to obtain additional TCAP funds. HUD has recaptured this $16.4 million from grantees that failed to satisfy the first deadline of February 16, 2010 to commit 75% of their respective TCAP allocation. In the guidance that was released last week, HUD outlines the threshold requirements and scoring factors in order that one has to meet in order to be considered for an award of reallocated TCAP funds. Scoring of grantees, as you'd expect, is performance-based. Basically, HUD will score grantees based on the overall percentage of TCAP funds that were committed, the overall percentage of TCAP funds that were dispersed, and the overall percentage of units completed. The recaptured TCAP funds and all other TCAP funds must be fully expended by the new grantees by February 16, 2012. It's also worth noting that another, possibly more substantial amount of TCAP funds may be recaptured by HUD after February 16, 2011. That's just over two months away. This is the deadline for grantees to expend 75% of their respective TCAP allocation. If you have any questions about this process or other TCAP information or questions, please send an email to cpas at novaco.com. In New Market Tax Credit news, last week, Community Development Financial Institutions Fund Director Donald Cambrell presented a keynote address at the New Market Tax Credit Coalition's 9th Annual Conference. She started her remarks by acknowledging how far the New Market Tax Credit program has come in the 10 years since its inception. Director Gambrell noted that through the first seven allocation rounds, the CDFI fund 
has made 495 awards, providing $26 billion in tax credit allocation authority. Director Gambrell reports that from fiscal year 2003 through fiscal year 2010, the organizations receiving these awards have made over 2,100 loans and investments, totaling nearly $10 billion to support real estate development and rehabilitation in low-income communities. Over 2,000 loans, totaling $5.5 billion, have been made to support businesses in low-income communities. And 182 loans and investments, totaling over $350 million, have been used to support other CDEs. Now, Director Gambrell also spoke about a topic that's been the subject of some speculation in recent months, and that is how the CDFI fund will handle the transition from 2000 census data to 2010 census data. Director Gambrell said the CDFI fund plans to handle the transition in the same way it handled the transition to the 2000 census data. The 2000 census data was not available until about 2002, and they're anticipating that 2010 data may not be available until 2012. She said the fund also expects that there'll be a period for grandfathering projects similar to what was used in grandfathering projects under the 2000 data. These remarks line up with what Rosa Martinez told attendees at the Novograd Company New Market Tax Credit Conference in Chicago just a couple months ago in October. Furthermore, the New Market Tax Credit Working Group is currently drafting recommendations regarding such a transition rule. Now, if you have suggestions for these recommendations, or if you'd like to learn more about the New Market Tax Credit Working Group, please contact my partner, Brad Elphick. He's in our Atlanta, Georgia office and can be reached at 678-867-2333. That's 678-867-2333. Director Gambrell also shared some interesting information about the CDFI Fund's goals for the year to come. This I'll discuss in my Year in Review Tax Credit Tuesday podcast that we'll release on December 28th. So wrapping up our podcast this week, I wanted to discuss in the renewable energy tax credit area two recent studies that came out. First, California, Oregon, and Massachusetts lead the list of the top 10 clean energy states. Last week, CleanEdge, a research and advisory firm devoted to the clean tech sector, released its first annual U.S. Clean Energy Leadership Index. The index provides analysis and ranking of how all 50 states compare across the spectrum of clean energy technology, policy, and capital. And while West and East Coast states dominate the top 10 rankings, CleanEdge reports that innovation and investment opportunities are found across the map, across the country, in places such as Colorado, Iowa, Texas, and Michigan. According to Clean Edge's assessment and ranking of more than 80 different state-level indicators, the top three states in the nation are California, Oregon, and Massachusetts. Washington, Colorado, New York, Illinois, Connecticut, Minnesota, and New Jersey round out the top ten. The state-level indicators considered include such metrics as total electricity produced by clean energy sources, hybrid vehicles on the road, and clean energy venture and patent activity. The Leadership Index paints a sometimes surprising picture of the clean energy landscape. For instance, California leads in the technology and capital categories, but the number one state for policy is Washington, just ahead of Massachusetts, which ranks first in regulations and mandates, and Illinois is a top state for incentives. 
Iowa is the nation's leader in utility-scale clean energy generation as a percentage of total electricity, receiving more than 14% of its in-state generation in 2009 from wind power. No other state exceeded 10% electricity from large-scale clean energy sources. The index found that California-based companies accounted for nearly 60% of all U.S. venture capital investments in clean energy in 2009. Massachusetts led in venture capital investments per capita. The index is provided on a subscription basis online at www.cleanedge.com. And in a second study that was released in late November, and it was produced by the W.P. Carey School of Business at the Arizona State University, takes a closer look at which states might benefit the most from generating solar energy and from consuming that energy. A press release from the school says these are believed to be the first state rankings of their kind. And the study was recently published in the Electricity Journal. So now, what are the results of the study? According to the study, the top 10 states that would benefit from solar deployment through generating and exporting energy to other states are, first, Arizona, two, Colorado, three, Georgia, four, Texas, five, Hawaii, 6, Arkansas, 7, Wyoming, 8 and 9 were tied, Alabama and Missouri, and number 10, California. According to the study, the top states for solar energy consumption are Hawaii, Delaware, Alaska, Wisconsin, Maryland, and Ohio. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Please join me again next week for another edition of Tax Credit Tuesday. In between, please follow me on Twitter for updates, particularly with respect to the tax standards legislation. This is Michael Novogratik. I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.